Hey, this morning, the title is, is a little bit different, okay? So I thought, I'm actually going to speak about the power of my shoes. You go, it's true. Okay, so I don't know if you guys want to join me this morning. Um, you guys can take your shoes off if you feel like it. I'm actually serious. No one else is serious. But thank you, Logan. Logan's taking his shoes off. I'm going to put them on the stand here because they represent quite a bit. There's some going around. Smoke alarms haven't gone off yet. So obviously you guys have not taken many off, okay? I shouldn't really have these up here because eh? I know a lot of guys are jealous of them. Yeah, I know. They look good, eh? Isaac, oh, Isaac, bare feet. Awesome. Awesome. Seriously, you can take your shoes off in church this morning, okay? It's a comfy place. I know when you guys get home, the first thing you do is what? Take your shoes off. It's your comfy place. Okay, shoes represent moving out. Shoes represent when you're going to go outside your four walls, first thing you do is you walk outside and hopefully they have not got wet, but normally they're under an eave. You grab your shoes and you put them on because it's time to now move out. All right? This morning, these shoes here represent, feels quite awkward in socks walking around on stage, but hey, these shoes here represent the talents that God has given us. You see, we have each got unique talents that have been gifted to each of us that God has called us to put on when we walk outside the four walls of church. The interesting thing is that nobody here will have the same pair of shoes as me. I'm hoping. Okay? But you guys understand that all of us have different feet. You may, some of you may have the same size, but I'm guessing you guys are all wearing different shoes this morning in this place. Because each of us has different talents and gifts. And not one pair of shoes will fit everyone here this morning. We need to find the shoe that will best fit us and the work and the calling that we've been called into. Do you guys get that? You see, if you are out on the field, building, farming, these shoes aren't going to cut it. You need to put on the right shoes for what you're gifting and calling for outside these four walls are. You see, my shoes represent the gifts that Christ has given to each of us here. Mark 16, 15. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Church, it is the good news. We have been called to preach the good news to everyone. Some of us, when you hear this, and you hear this idea of global missionaries, the first thing that pops into your head is, maybe you're like, yeah, I'm so, I'm so willing and so ready to go. I'm, I'm ready to leave my comforts and so forth and just give everything I have to the mission field. Others of you here, maybe something slips into your mind along the lines of, okay, cool, I've got something to give, but I'm quite busy at the moment, but my time will come when I get these priorities or things sorted in my life. Are they, so you probably are sitting here right now and going, what are you talking about again? I can see some faces already. But here's the thing. We all think of different things when we hear the word global missionaries. 
And what is your place in this idea of global missionaries? See, we as a body are called to bring the good news. As a church, we've got this missions mandate and this heart upon each of us that we all move beyond these four walls. This is part of who we are as a church. And as individuals in Christ, we have a massive calling to move beyond these walls. You see, we need to bring justice to society. We need to bring peace to this world. And we also need to bring the good news to those around us. I want to just start just quickly with the good news. So Jesus on the cross comes to a place, and as he takes his, one of his last breaths, he, um, he says, it is finished. So Jesus says, it is finished. For something to be finished, it had to have begun. For something to be finished, there was also a process that went on. So if you look at the life of Jesus Christ, his main purpose was to make a way for mankind to come to the Father. So when Jesus says on the cross, he says, it is finished. His process, what he has done, was completed. In life, we have projects, we have things that we're trying to do, and so often we say, oh, finally, it's finished. It comes back around again. Kids, we say, oh, right, the kids are left. Oh, it's finished. They come back. You paint a house and you say, oh, it's finished. Six months, oh, not six months, hopefully not six months. You did a pretty bad job. Okay, six years later. You need to get back out there again. But when Jesus said, it is finished, what he came to do was actually finished. See, in the Greek, to Telestine means it is finished. It is paid for in full. It has come to completion. It is no longer needed to be done. It is finished. You see, in those days, the word to Telestine would be written on something to symbolize that it is completed. Like a receipt or an invoice. You see, if you were to go to prison for some reason, the crimes that you had committed, the things that you had done wrong would be written or engraved on a tablet. And when you've served your time, when you have done what you had needed to do, you would be released from prison, and on that tablet, they would engrave the word to Palestine, to say, it is finished. You have paid the price for your mistakes. You see, when Jesus said, it is finished, he paid the price for every person. See, your time is done. It is paid for. Your debts are no longer. It is finished. See, Christ's mission was to break the power of sin and make a way for all mankind to be saved as they are. It's not a reward that must be strived for or earned. It is finished. The good news is for all of us. Amen? Here's the thing. 
This good news is amazing news. And it is our job to let the world know the good news of Jesus Christ and what has been done for them. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5 to 5 says, What after all is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you can you, for whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's builders. I love the fact that it's individualized there. You'll notice the points there is that each of us have a different part to play. But at the end of the day, it is God who saves. But we still have a part to play in bridging the gap so that these people may come to a realization of what the good news is truly about. Firstly, we need to know who we are in Christ. We need to know who we actually are in Christ. If we're going to outwork the calling that he has, we need to know who we are and what he has placed upon our lives. I know it's, it's very easy to look to the front and see the pastor or whoever's up the front here and think, okay, cool, what are they doing? How are they teaching us? How are they reaching the lost? How are they making a move outside these four walls? And it's interesting that, hey, I have a role in the church, and so it makes it a little bit easier for me to do what I'm called to do. But I've always been challenged about what happens when I'm not working in the church? What is my life going to look like? And I'm actually, to be honest, I'm really excited. You know, I can't survive in the church till 99 I can't survive forever in the church. But the exciting thing for me is that there's going to be a new challenge outside these four walls to do what God has called me personally to do. See, in the church, I may have a certificate that says I'm a pastor. But what is God saying to me personally about what is my calling? And for you guys here, what is your personal calling that God has placed on your life? The word apostle is used 78 times in the New Testament. The word pastor is used once. In a sense, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to be apostles. We are all to be his ambassadors. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, and 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. We are all to be ones who are sent. We are all to be preachers of the good news. See, the perfect church is an interesting thought. And for me, the perfect church is not when we crack 500. It's not when we crack 1,000 people coming into this place. It's not when we have this amazing sound system, though these things are good. But for me, the perfect church is when Christ is the center of everything. And each of us 
know who we are and what we're called to do, and each of us are moving in the purpose and plan that Christ has called us to live in. See, the perfect church is when the body and the family of Christ are living and outworking the purpose that they have for this life. This, to me, is what the perfect church would look like. I'm gonna. Um, I want to get do this practical, little practical thing for you guys this morning, just to because I know I'm gonna teaching you. I'm kind of just telling you what to do in life at the moment. So, and it's not fun. I know being told how to live or go out from these four walls, all that's not fun. So, I'll just make it fun. Then you can think, oh, that was good, at the end of it. But anyway, so I need some volunteers to jump up here, over here. So I'm gonna, Christina, Jessica, Logan. Volunteers, Jared. Hey, how come Jared's already moving? But here, here's the sad part: is there's a part, a role in this that was supposed to be given to me when I was talking to these youth. They they nominated me for this role. Okay, anything that we're doing here is has definitely got nothing to do with their personalities. Okay, this is just from biblical standings, nothing to do with them personally. But instead of me, I'm gonna I'm gonna choose Kelly. Sorry, Kelly. Sorry, buddy. Just jump up. You get to be the main guy, not really. But he doesn't know he's doing this. The others did, but they don't even know what they're doing. So, all right, Jared, down the back there, you can just grab that blanket there. And Christina, you could lie on the blanket just on the ground there. Okay, you can have a rest. Yeah, okay. That's awesome. Okay. So we find in Mark 2 the, the story of the paralytic man where they uh, take this person to meet Jesus. And I've always loved the story, and it just intrigues me of what got it started? How did it happen? And how did it come to, to being? And I want to start off by just reading it, just so you know. So it says, Jesus arrives to preach the good news, and immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door, and he preached the word to them. So straight away, you get this picture of a massive crowd of people gathering around Jesus. And he's in this room, and he's just preaching away, and it's just people everywhere. And out on the side, I could imagine Jessica, this is just biblical stuff. This has got nothing to do with her personality, just letting you guys know, because I'll get offend people, okay? So Jessica is thinking about life, and she's like, man, I know this paralytic person down the road who won't be able to meet with Christ today because there's no way that this person can get there. So Jess being um, very good at boss, I mean, organizing, okay? So she, this is biblical stuff, nothing to do with personalities. So Jessica, she begins to, no, she actually equips people, eh? she doesn't boss them around. She equips and starts to get people passionate about what she has a passion for. So Jessica is just like, I need to get this person to Christ. She realizes she does not have the strength, sorry Jess, but does not have the strength to carry her friend to Christ, but realizes she can pay a part. So she organizes these others and thinks, hold on a second, I'm really good at organizing. I'm just going to boss these people around, and I want four young, strong men to carry this person to Christ. So if I could get the four guys on, you're at the front, Kelly, Jared and Logan on there. 
Yeah, just on the corners. Kelly, you're going to have to take, yeah, you, I don't know how you're going to do it, man. But here we see just, oh, you, oh, you guys will get tired. I, oh, no, yeah, you hold, them, hold it there. You guys look comfy. Okay, so, so anyway, so, so we see that she, Jessica had a real heart for the paralytic and began to stir and gather the others to inspire them for what God's calling was. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. So you guys can walk to here. Stop there, stop there. Okay, it says here that there was four men in the story. But I, I kind of, from what I could gather from studying this passage, that it was just an insight of to what they thought was four men. Okay? So Jess couldn't actually gather four men, but she found Kelly. Okay? This is where Kelly comes into play. So it was supposed to be me, okay? This, this person was not supposed to be the smartest guy in the world. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Sorry, I thought you could be a good candidate. But this has got nothing to do with personalities or people that are up here, okay? Just reminding you. So this person, when they looked at the scenario, they thought, right, we needed four men to carry this person. But good old Kelly over here, when they looked at it, it was like, man, he represents two. He's just got some muscles on him. He's a strong, I'm going to blow myself up because they thought I was supposed to do this part. So they were just like, he is amazing, Okay. So anyway, the, the two guys at the back, and then there's the two, one guy at the front. But so they say four men, but really there was three. And this is where Kelly jumps into play, and he stands in as two. And he uses his amazing muscles to carry this person to Christ. So they begin to go again. All right. They could not come near Jesus because of the crowd. So they stop here, and all of a sudden they're just covered by what seems like an obstacle that cannot be passed. No one can get to Jesus. But luckily, Logan is in this boat. Logan is young. Logan is very enthusiastic. Logan doesn't think too much sometimes. This is part of the... This is very biblical, okay? So Logan is just like, what are we doing? We could just go around the back and we can just chuck him through the roof. Okay, he's a young builder. He just gets in there and smashes it out. He's just like, we can just do this. And so Logan's like, let's go around the back of the church. Don't go around the back because you guys will put out. Okay, so he's just like, we can do this. And so they go a little bit further, and it says here, it says, they uncover the roof where Jesus was because Logan just rips up the roof. He's just going to make it happen. They need someone that makes it happen sometimes in life when we come into obstacles. And just as they're about to chuck Man, through the roof, to, <laughs> yeah, just, just be careful. Thank God Jared was there. Biblically speaking, Jared is very, how do you say it? He's, he's got a lot of wisdom to him. He's practical and he thinks about things before he does them. Sorry, Logan. And so Jared is up there, and he's like, hold on a second. Before we chuck this man to Jesus through this big roof that is actually very high, we'll probably do more damage to him. Jared is like, we can figure out a system to lower him down. So Jared brings his little gifting in and says, hold on, now let's, let's do this right. And so Jared works out a system, and it says here, it says, it says, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. 
Thanks to Jared. She is not injured. Well done. You guys can go grab a seat. Thank, give them a big hand. Here's the amazing part to the story. In verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw the faith of these four people, that they had made an effort to bring someone to Christ. They did not save this person's life but they bridged the gap between the good news and life. You see, these four men were accounted for faith because they stepped into what God had called them to do. They brought this man to Jesus, and because of their faith, he was set free and healed. See, I love that thought behind that is that, hold on, it was because of these four men that he was actually saved. You see, our goal is to bridge the gap, to allow mankind to see the good news and to meet with Christ. What happens after there sometimes isn't our responsibility. But our responsibility is to introduce them to the good news. See, Jesus has called us to outwork with faith and to be smart about the giftings that he has placed in our hands. See, to bridge the gap so others may see Christ. Some of us may see the crowds. When you look at this scenario and you're thinking, hey, how am I supposed to be a missionary? How am I supposed to go out and touch this nation? And you see the crowds. But like these four men, sometimes we need to stop. Instead of seeing the crowd, we need to see what God has placed in our lives and in our hands as individuals. No shoe will fit everyone the same here. And the way that we're to respond to this calling of missionaries is going to look different to every person in this place. And I hope we find out what that calling is for ourselves. The story, we're going, we're going back to Bible stories here, which is a little bit, a little bit fun. David and Goliath. He's a man who has to face an obstacle. He's got a massive obstacle in front of him. And we pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, 38. It says, then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. Okay, so here we go. He was just about to go and face the giant, okay? He had a purpose to outplay, and he had a calling on his life. And this was his moment to go forth. And then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened onto the sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said, because I'm not used to this. 
So he took them off. Wow. When you go fight a giant, in those times, there's no way you will go fight a giant without putting on the armor, without carrying the sword like everyone else. To be a soldier means it has to look like an outfit, a helmet, a sword, and you put on the right shoes and the right gear. But David goes, no. Hold on. This is not how it's supposed to look for me. See, David knew what his giftings were. David knew what God had placed in his hand and what talents he had. And he realized what talents and giftings he did not have. See, David was not going to be someone who could wield a sword. That was not David. See, church, we need to be smart about what we have in our hands. It doesn't have to look like we think it should. But I guarantee you, God has placed something in your hand. In verse 40, it says, Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones. This is what David knew how to do. He knew how to sling stones. So he went away and was very cautious about what he picked and put time and effort into these stones and picked what was going to be right for his situation. From the stream, he put them in his pouch of the shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You see, David had a massive part to play in history. He trusted God and the giftings and the things that he had placed in his hand. He realized what his gifting was. And then with faith, he moved into it. You see, when we put on these shoes, when we put on the talents and the giftings that God has in our lives, it takes us from living. See, living to me is doing life, society, just living. But see, when we put on our talents that God's given us and we intertwine it into this world and we start to outwork them for God's kingdom, it takes us from living to reaching. What's your God-given dreams in life? As a, as a young person, I remember having massive dreams and ideas of, of what God wanted to do with my life. And I'm pretty sure most of you here would have had a, an idea of what you want to do with your God-given talents or your, your life. And I asked these young adults the other day when we were doing young adults group, and I just put this thought to them. And I was really intrigued by what came through. And I said to them all, I said, what's your plan in life? What's your goal? What do you want to achieve with what you have in life? And each of them went through the room and there was, there was ideas like one person wants to be a fireman. One person wanted to be an amazing mum. One person wanted to, to go and do this or buy and sell houses or do this and do that and to make a career for themselves. 
And they had all these ideas of what they wanted to do in life. And I looked at them and I thought, man, society is a massive part to play in what we do with our talents and our gifts. And so I just switched the scenario around for a second for them and I asked them, hey, hold on a second. Let's just go around the room again. If you had no requirements in society and all of this was a part and all you had was Christ, what would you do with your life? What are your God-given dreams and your passions for life? 90, 90% of them, as we went around the room, came up with a completely different scenario of what they wished their lives could look like. You see, when they had taken society out of the picture and they just said, God, what's your heart for me? What did you want for my life? A lot of them were like, I would love to just go and work with kids. Just bless kids, serve kids, just raise kids out of families. Other people were like, I want to be a preacher. I want to be a full-time preacher. I want to just preach the gospel to this nation. Another person is like, I want to go on the missions field. I want to get out there and just serve people. And it was so interesting to hear their hearts cry of what God had placed on their life. But when they thought of their lives and what they wanted to do with life, it looked completely different. You see, God has given you all amazing dreams and giftings and talents in your hands. And I want to be real with you guys. I understand that we live in a society that calls us to live in a certain way to survive. And when we throw out this idea of global missionaries that you must leave everything and go on the mission field, some of you like, hold on, I've got a family to raise right now and I'm going through this and this and this and this and this. But I also understand that there'll be others here that are like, yes, cool, I'm going to leave this all behind and go. And, and, and that is amazing. But this morning I really want to touch and talk to those who maybe are struggling to find your purpose and your calling in God to mix it with society and the life that you are living. You see, over the years, I've seen so many young people come through youth with a massive passion to see God come in certain ways. And then as time goes by, I see them down the track 15 years later, and they're still holding these amazing dreams that they have. And a lot of the time they're saying, oh, when I get this sorted, or when this happens, or when I get more free time, then I'll outwork the giftings that God has on my heart and on my life. You see, God is interested in our everyday lives. He is interested in the people we cross paths with, and He is interested in us finding a way to bridge the gap. See, my shoes represent a little bit more than just talents this morning. See, for me, they represent this idea of crossing paths between living and moving. Your God-given dreams, if you had no restrictions on your life, what would you do with your hands and your feet? How would you touch your world 
And how would you touch the people outside these four walls? So I um, needed a pair of shoes. I went to the local surf shop. I don't normally buy shoes. I'm a Jandals guy. But I went to the surf shop and I like these pair of shoes. And so I was like, cool. And they're called Toms, by the way. And so I grabbed a pair of shoes. I tried them on in the shop. And I was like, awesome. These are a good size, good fit. They're designed for my foot. And I took them outside and I opened up the box. Because, you know, when you hop in your car, you want to check your new shoes out. Like, you know, you just make sure they're all there, everything's there once, they, once you've purchased them. And I, and I love what I read at the top. See, I was expecting to see a pair of shoes in the box. And yes, there was, but above that was a big note. And it said, thank you for serving those that are less fortunate than yourself. You have just purchased a pair of shoes for yourself, but also for someone in need. I was like, hold on a second. This is powerful. See, the brand Tom's is all about serving those that are less fortunate. Every pair of shoes that you purchase from this brand, they donate a brand new pair to kids in need who could not afford their own shoes. When you purchase sunglasses from this company, your funds go towards helping them perform operations so that people that can't see can see. Everything about this company is called One for One. We will help those in need with the purchase that you have made. You see, these shoes, to me, represent someone who intertwined living with reaching. These shoes were a gift for someone, a thought that he's like, man, I want to make a, make a profit. I want to do life. I need to pay for my family. I need a job. What am I good at? I'm good at business. Maybe he had a heart for the lost overseas. He maybe had a heart for justice and those that were in need. But he looked at his situation and said, hold on a second. God's not calling me to the missions field. What has God placed in my hand right now? And I believe this person probably was like, hold on. I'm amazing at business. Let me start something that will fund my life that will keep me going, but it will also change the lives of so many around them as I intertwine it into my business. You see, these shoes represent talent, but they also represent the ability to be smart about what you have in your hands this morning. See, I'm, I'm afraid that so many people with giftings and a heart for so many amazing things that God has placed on your life for a reason We'll just carry on through life waiting for that moment that they can outwork them. When I really believe, like David, each of us are called to be smart and right where we are in the situations that we are in, 
we can outwork the giftings and the plans and the purposes that God has for us right now. It doesn't have to look like the person next to you. It doesn't have to look like you give up everything, but it has to look like something. The talents that you have need to be placed and purposely used out in the community to further God's kingdom. Amen? See, we are called to bridge the gap to this community, to bring the good news to those around us. I love the fact that Jesus has done the hard part. Now it's up to us to just bridge the gap. If I could grab the worship team, that'd be awesome. Romans 10 verse 15. You guys probably read it a million times this morning because it's the only verse on the screen. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We all have a purpose. God has gifted us all with amazing gifts and talents in our hands. And this morning, I just wanted you to think, I would hate to see you down the track of your life with this heart that you have to see the lost saved or this heart that you have to reach the poor, to bring peace, to bring grace to this generation. And you are still holding on to those dreams and going, man, one day I'm going to be able to unleash these. One day I'm going to outwork these. But can I please say, we shouldn't be waiting. We have tools in our hand to outwork them now. Yes, you may be busy. Yes, you have a family. But there is ways that you can outwork what God has placed in your life through your situations. You can raise godly kids. You can make such an effort to put your time into raising them in the things of Christ. If you're a teacher out in this community, you have ways that you can reach people. You're talking to people every day, but sometimes we've got to stop and be smart about who and what God has put in our hands. Some of us have seen giants along the way. Your dreams of what God had placed on your life may have been shattered by circumstances. And I understand there are circumstances that can really just shatter what you really had planned for life. But I want to just encourage you here this morning. Have faith. Have faith to put on those shoes. You may not think your shoes are very flash. You may look at your shoes and go, actually, they're a little bit tattered. They're not the greatest shoes in the world. But they can still move. And they'll still help your feet. And they'll still help this generation. If only we're willing to put them on, the gifts that we have, and intertwine them into this world that we're all living in. I think the guys are playing atmospheres changing. 
Why don't, why don't we all stand this morning? I just want to firstly just, just as everyone could just close their eyes just quickly, I want to give this opportunity this morning that you're in this place and I know I've been talking and talking to those in the church basically and encouraging them. But you are here this morning and you, when I mention and I talk about the good news, you've never met Christ. You don't know what it is to live in the good news. And this idea that everything is finished, our sins are gone, we have been set free as we are. And this morning, if you are here, I just want to give this opportunity quickly. That if you don't know Christ, or you've walked away and this morning you say, hey, I need to come back. I need to accept that it is finished. He is in control. Then with no one looking around, if you could just raise your hand in this place, if there's anyone here this morning like that, that you just say, yeah, I need to know God. I need this good news in my life. Is there anyone here this morning like that? And the other thing that I wanted to to encourage you guys with this morning is we're going to just sing this, this song about the spirit is changing, the atmosphere is changing, sorry. And man, what has God placed on your life? What are your God-given dreams? What are you hungry for? What do you want to see happen out in this community and in this world? Some of you here have been holding on to them too long. And some of you just need encouraging encouragement this morning. And this, I'm just going to open up the front here. And if you want to come and you want to just meet with God and just say, hey, God, I need some wisdom. I thank you that you've given me talents. Please help me to use them for your greater kingdom. How can I intertwine them into this life that I'm living? How can I go from living to moving? Because this is the purpose that God has placed on each of us. You see, when we live in God's purpose and dreams, we find life. When we outwork what He has placed in our hands, we find our purpose. So this morning, we're going to sing this, and I'm going to leave this altar call free. And the, if the team could just come forth, those that are here to pray for others. And as we sing this song, the atmosphere is changing. Please, if you need prayer, come forth.